One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy hit me with that triple H. Episode 7, December 18th, 2017. This is the Jake is the Worst podcast, and I am former backyard wrestler turned podcaster, Jake Von Erich. It's been about a month since I last put out a podcast, um, so per usual, my apologies. Today's episode is going to probably have a little bit different tone than episodes of the past, um, as it's the 20th anniversary of the death of Chris Farley. I guess first, to start off, where was I? Um, This, you know, his death had a huge impact on me. And every year on this day, I, I think about Chris Farley... I think about him on his birthday. He is just someone that I, I worshipped, that I loved, that I thought was the coolest of the cool amongst all the problems he had and, you know, demons he faced. But he was an icon. But I'll get into that shortly. Um, he died December 18th, 1997, so 20 years ago from today's date. But news traveled differently then, and kind of while doing research, because I remember hearing about this on December 19th. It was a Friday. Um, it was the uh, first day, or the you know the last day of school before Christmas vacation, and um, my sister and I were at home. We had watched some movie or something on the VCR. Yes, the VCR. And uh, it had ended, so... You know, we shut off the VCR, and then the news was on. My parents weren't home, and it was dark. It was, you know, we didn't have the lights on because we were watching a movie. And right as, the, you know, we shut the VCR off, it, it went to the news, and the news had put up this tease about a celebrity dying. And they showed, I believe they showed Farley, but they showed, like, you know, in a skit. So it's like, well, who, who died? Or, you know, there was other people in it because I, I didn't, it didn't trigger me that Chris Farley was dead. And they came back, because obviously you hear that, and you're like, I have to find out who this was. And this was before, you know, we didn't even have a computer, I believe, at this point. I definitely didn't have internet for a couple of years after this, and of course no cell phones, things like that. News traveled a lot slower, you receive news differently. Now, you know, uh, somebody that was on a reality TV show for two episodes 11 years ago, we find out, you know, 30 minutes after they're dead... And sometimes we find out, you know, people are dead hours before they die, uh, like Tom Petty. But this was December 19th, and he died on the 18th. So to what I'm, I'm looking at and can read, it, it does look like most of the articles were not actually published or the story was not released until the 19th. But that's when I got it. That's when I found out, and that's when the news talked about it. Um, and the moment they said it, I started to, to cry, and I was trying to fight the tears I didn't want my sister to see. But like I said, it was dark, so it kind of, I don't think she had any idea. She didn't make any mention of it. and uh, You know, she was a couple years younger than me. I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. And, uh, you know, it's really one of the first times, you know, and not that this happens often. I, I'm not positive, but I have to go back and, 
you know, think about people who've died and how I've reacted. But it was the first time I really remember crying when a famous person died. Um, you know, legit just tears of sadness. Um, and I was 14. I didn't understand everything with his death at the time or how extreme, you know, the levels of, of drugs and, and, you know, depression and things Chris Farley dealt with. Um, and I was just, I was just heartbroken and, and, and so bummed out. And I remember shortly after that, then they jumped into sports because we just didn't change the news, just left it on. And it had just been a few minutes. And then, you know, as I'm crying, I get this news that made me so happy that the Detroit Pistons, because everything somehow ties into basketball and sports with me, made a trade for Jerry Stackhouse. And that's how I always kind of remember this day is those two events that you know, I was a huge Jerry Stackhouse fan. He was one of my favorite players in the league. Again, before rumors and things like that, the trades would just hit you out of nowhere. You had no idea this was happening. I had no idea that the Pistons were looking into getting this young star, Jerry Stackhouse, who, you know, um, went on to be a pretty damn good player for us and, uh, you know, led the league in scoring one year with the highest average, but, or most points, I believe. Sorry about that. But, uh, you know, I had tickets to go the next night to go see Stackhouse and the Sixers play the Pistons. Not, I didn't have my dad get tickets to see Iverson. I wanted to see Stackhouse, and we had tickets to go see him uh, play the Pistons, and he was on the Pistons that night. So, you know, I was a big fan, and I'm going through the sadness, and then all of a sudden they announce this, and then I'm like, oh, God, you know. So it helps me at least bring back or fight those tears in front of my sister. Um, and, you know, the Pistons traded... Uh, Theo Ratliff, Aaron McKee, and a first-round pick to get Jerry Stackhouse and Eric Montross from the Sixers. And that's how I remember December 19th. Obviously, Chris Farley died on the 18th. But again, that's when I, you know, learned about this and and, and how all of that went down. Um, Farley's death was ruled an overdose of cocaine and morphine. I'm, I'm sure many of you know the story or have heard the stories of his last days. And, and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, in the last two years of his life, you know, it's been reported he, he was in and out of rehab. He, he, he took 17 trips to rehab. I mean, he was, you know, I think he, he left rehab eight days before he died or something like that. And for me, and the emotion I feel and the attachment to Chris Farley is, I was a fat kid growing up. I'm 14 at this point, you know, throughout middle school and high school. You get picked on, you know. You're, you you want to fit in. You, you want to be able to talk to girls. You want people that are cool to like you. You want to feel cool. You, you, you know, you're, you're learning who you are. You know, you just want to... Not, you know, you want to be liked. You don't necessarily want to be the coolest guy in the school. But, hey, it wouldn't be bad when you're 14 because then all the girls that you're looking at in class want to talk to you. They want to hang out with you. And you're some 14-year-old kid that never kissed a girl. And it took a long while after that, but we'll get to that another time. Farley was the man. Because that's who you looked up to. I couldn't look up to 
certain people that I didn't feel like I was like because, you know, I, I'm this fat, goofy kid. So you start emulating Farley, the self-deprecation humor, the the outburst and things like that. And I know that so many kids that were fat in the 90s played that part, did that part. As a fat kid in the 90s, you had two choices when you're like 14. You can either be the, you know, bad hygiene, smelly, nerdy kid that is, you know, drawing anime in the corner of the class, never talking. Or you go be like Chris Farley. And you hope that kids will like you. You hope that girls will like you. And that didn't make girls like me. Not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, You know, I'm 34 and I, I still don't think any girls like me. And I have a girlfriend. But... That was who you wanted to be because he was the coolest dude in the room. And any celebrity, you know, that is interviewed about Farley that knew him, I mean, he was the life of the party. And obviously, sometimes the party went overboard and it ultimately did. But he was cool and he was, you know, he was loved and cherished and funny and just People gravitated towards Chris Farley. Everybody that ever hosted SNL wanted to be in skits with him and be around him and his energy. And that's what I wanted to be like. You know, that's what so many other kids that I know, other kids that were fat growing up. And that's who we acted like. You know, he set a standard. And, you know, whether self-deprecation and things like that lead to a more unhealthy, you know, thought of yourself, it was a way to break ice to somewhat alleviate discomfort by making people laugh if you can make them laugh then at least you have that um and that's what chris farley did that's you know and yes you watch those the chris farley show bits skits that he did and they are in my opinion the funniest the funniest things ever I remember watching the best of the Chris Farley DVD one night at like three in the morning and I legit was at my parents' house. I was like 20 and I fell off the couch at like three in the morning laughing so hard. Legit just rolled off of the couch and hit the floor, my big ass. And that's what Farley did. That's the kind of laughter he created and... That skit specifically, this nervous guy starstruck by celebrities, not knowing how to speak to people and then getting nervous and then saying he sucks and ripping his hair out. That's like the pinnacle of that Farley character that so many fat kids did want it to be like because it it was that character. Now, look, learning a little more about women, they don't necessarily attract to that. Farley's instance, obviously, he was on TV, he had things going for him, and he was a sweet guy by all accounts. So many people said he was a gentleman and a sweetheart and just a very kind guy. So that helped Farley's case, of course. For the fat kid in high school trying to be funny, yeah, you might make him laugh, but she's still going to make out with the dude on, you know, the football team. Not you, Tubby. And you'll learn that. But There was no better joy than making people laugh. And still to this day for me, I love to make people laugh. And Chris Farley, I attribute to that. Um, And, you know, the the loathing and the 
the self-deprecating, yeah, I'm sure it's played a role in, in me and, you know, and, and not feeling confident and not having a real confidence when then sometimes people see you and they say, well, how are you not confident? You come into a room and you are loud and you take over and you dance or whatever and you're silly. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, a, a you know, an amplified version of myself. And that's what, you know, I, I'm actually this guy who's nervous around people or girls. I'm doing this to make myself comfortable, if that makes any sense. And that's what Chris Farley did. And obviously, there's, you know, things and people out there say that, you know, he only felt like he could make people laugh by being this fat, goofy person and that had to fall down. And, you know, things like that. And, and that's sad because he didn't have to do that. He was funny without that. Doing that made him hilarious. But I was laughing with Chris Farley. And I think all of us can say we were laughing with Chris Farley. And it sucks and it hurts and it's sad that he didn't feel that maybe necessarily. And obviously his last days are, are very depressing. And, you know, he was paying hookers to hang out with him. That's it. Company. To get him more drugs. And, you know, he died on, you know, like I said... And I don't know if I said this. I'm, I'm rambling, obviously, at this point. But from an overdose of cocaine. Co oh, my God. I can't even say it. Cocaine and morphine. Um, you know, but those final days, he was raging on alcohol. That wasn't found in his system at the time. Um, and it's just, it, it's, a, it's a terrible end. So young for such a funny person who still to this day impacts me and the way I think about humor and, you know, and is still is so relevant to, to film with his humor and the way that I think, you know, and obviously there was Belushi and people before him, but he had a certain level. And I, I don't think anybody touches the level Chris Farley could go at. It was an energy unlike anything ever. The dude was you know, in the high 200 pound range and five foot eight and he could do cartwheels and he's flipping around and going crazy. Just this energy, unlike anything. Now, yes, obviously you go back and you watch some of these interviews and they're uncomfortable because you can see the substance abuse, you know, and sometimes you watch and it's hard to tell. Is he on something or is this him? And that is tricky and it's confusing and sometimes it does make me feel uncomfortable when I watch some of those interviews from The Tonight Show or things like that. Excuse me. Because I just remember laughing at that and I always thought of it in a different way. But when you see someone breaking down or on something that is ultimately going to cause their... Their untimely death at the age of 33. I mean, he was 33. He would have been 53 right now. I mean, I, I can't even imagine where comedy would be if Chris Farley was still around because there's no way he was going away. There was no way that talent was going to be held down. And I there uh, we didn't get to see the best of Chris Farley ever. No way. There was so much more to be untapped and unlocked. But what he did give us is a gift, a gift of laughter, a gift of joy 
to me, somebody that, yes, had their faults, but I, that I looked up to, and I still do in, in, in many ways. He is just, there was one Chris Farley. That's it. There's nothing else like him. It's a bunch of fat kids in high school from 1997, 98, trying to be like Chris Farley. But there was only one Chris Farley. And Hollywood has not found a replacement. Not even close. They never will. Um, <clears throat> I would recommend the, the movie I Am Chris Farley. You can find it on iTunes or whatever. Probably go to... Uh, <laughs> Don't go to your video store because they barely exist. Go to the library, find it on something streaming, pay for it, pay a couple bucks if you haven't seen it. It is an incredible hour and a half um, documentary, movie style, you know, about his his life with interviews from all the people that, you know, were with him at SNL and through the years, growing up, his brothers, family. And it, it's just an incredible, incredible hour and a half and I know for sure that I have never cried more in my life during a movie than those last 10 minutes. And I will probably, I've watched a little bit of that today so far after getting home from work. I'm going to watch a little bit more and probably that last 20 minutes or so uh, after I, you know, I'm done recording this. Just to, to relive that, you know, the, the, and, and that those words about Chris and, and, you know, just about his life. And I don't know. I never met the guy, right? I, I, maybe I shouldn't feel like this about somebody, but I just think he was so special and he was, uh, the funniest dude on the planet and the funniest dude that ever lived. So I, obviously the Chris Farley, uh, best of SNL is a must watch. I am Chris Farley, that movie, a must watch. Even if you've seen those things, go back and watch them. Go back and watch some of those on YouTube, those interviews, because there's nothing like it. Nobody does that. You know, and the closest that I can even think that that touches that, and of course this is tragic too, is, is Robin Williams. But Farley was different, you know. Farley was Farley was different. I I love Robin Williams, but Farley was different. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing on Chris Farley. Um, I guess I want to tell a couple stories that I just crack me up. I mean, you guys know the movies. You guys know, you know, you you know the body of work. I to me the best. Skit ever is the Chris Farley show where he's interviewing celebrities like Paul McCartney, um, Martin Scorsese, Jeff Daniels. And he's just this nervous talk show, like a local public access talk show host. And it's just hilarious because he's just, and like I said, this is this amplified version of what he saw himself as. Um, nervous, starstruck, and, you know self-deprecating but it's funny and he drew from that and it's just it's non-stop laughter of course you know uh, I believe it's Schmidt's gay is the, the beer commercial that him and Adam Sandler did for a gay beer company that's a classic 
the coffee bit where he's, you know, they ask him about, you know, he, he's drinking coffee crystals or whatever, and he goes nuts. I mean, there's so much, the Schwarzkopf bit, the Tom Arnold and Roseanne bit, there's, of course, the motivational speaker, Matt Foley, there's just so much. Tommy Boy, to this day, you can throw it on at any point in time and watch the entire movie and, and just laugh. And uh, it's, you know, he was unstoppable as a force of comedy. And obviously, he met his demons and he met his match. And it's just sad and it's tragic and... It's why I'll never get, you know, wanting to ever get into drugs and shit like that. Because I, they took away the funniest person on the planet. And they've taken away so many other amazing people. You know, my favorite comedian right now is Artie Lang. And he checked into rehab on Friday. And he's a guy like Farley who has been in and out of rehab countless times, uh, you know, with a heroin addiction. And he's not doing well, and I, I pray that he can somehow get through this. He's 50 years old. He looks like hell. He's obviously struggling. He's been up and down through the years. And I hate to see things like this take away brilliant people. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, Artie can somehow pull through. I, I, I love his work. I think he's a genius, and, you know... I've had the, you know, I've been fortunate to meet him and interact with him on a couple occasions. And he is a dude that just loves his fans and he just comes across as a real guy. And that's why you like him. And I, that's what makes us like people. That's what makes celebrities, you know, when they're relatable. And Farley, as a kid, was relatable to me. It was, I had to be the funny fat guy. And, you know, I, he was the best. So here's two stories about Chris Farley. So 30 Rock, obviously it was a TV show, but it's where they filmed Saturday Night Live um, in that building at the 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Uh, Jay Moore was, uh, you know, on Saturday Night Live, and David Tell was a writer. And they were struggling, uh, you know, they were at the offices, and they'd been there for two days straight almost, and they had not slept, they were, they had writer's block, and they were trying to make in, you know, trying to make, you know, new skits or bits up or whatever, and Farley shows up, after, like I said, they've been up for like two days, and this is a story according to, to Jay Moore that he's told, you know, numerous places, um, after Farley's hanging out for a while, whatever, they offer, Jay Moore says, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to take a shit, out of the 17th floor uh, window. So Farley gets the money, pulls down his pants, pries open the window, sticks his ass out, and takes his shit. Except, like, the poop, and I can't say poop after saying shit, right? That sounds stupid. Well, the shit, his feces uh, actually, like, fell inside, too. I mean, imagine one, like, this dude in this building in New York City. He's 5'8", 265 pounds, whatever, sticking his ass out to take a shit. So the poop, like, falls into the building, and he picks it up, 
and starts like chasing after Jay Moore and David Tell, threatening to like wipe it on him. And Jay escaped. I forgot what he did. He acted like he was hurt or something. And he said like Farley was just a caring guy. And he was like, oh no, you know. And then he got up and like ran away. But he was a nut. He was insane. But that's just hilarious. Maybe you're thinking it's disgusting and he was horrible. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. Um, another story that is in the show or the movie, I Am Chris Farley. David Spade tells this, but uh, Glenn Close was was hosting Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, or in, in there. And Farley was talking to her and he's drinking a Diet Coke bottle or whatever. And... He's. I, I guess I always used to think this story, but he. After rewatching it today, it was. I always thought it was a two liter. I pictured a two liter. Maybe it was. I hope it was. But he's he's drinking this diet coke and talking to Glenn Close, and the conversation is wrapping up. So he just chugs the entire gulps the the, the diet coke down in front of her as she's just like waiting to like say goodbye or whatever. And. And she's like, all right. And then David Spade walks over and they're like, what was that all about? And Farley's like bragging, like, <laughs> I chugged it. Like he showed her he's the man. Like he wanted to show off in front of her. Like, that's going to get you a girl. That's great. And Spade's like, yeah, and so. And then he's, you know, typical Farley. Shut up, David. Yeah, like, it's just, he's the best. And I, you know, it's crazy he's been gone for 20 years and. You know, I'm just kind of throwing my thoughts and, and feelings about Chris Farley and some of the stories that I love um, and how that day kind of intertwined with that Jerry Stackhouse trade that I always will remember. It's a very vivid day and vivid memory in my head, which is obviously a sad one because the world lost the funniest dude that ever lived. Um, on that note, uh, I'm going to end this with uh, famous prayer that they they use in the movie I am Chris Farley and that was uh someone read at his funeral and it's the clown's prayer yes I'm going to read this prayer on the podcast a little different podcast today and this is uh in, in tribute of the funniest person that ever lived Chris Farley who died on December 18th 1997 20 years ago today As I stumble through this life, help me to create more laughter than tears, dispense more happiness than gloom, spread more cheer than despair. Never let me become so indifferent that I will fail to see the wonder in the eyes of a child or the twinkle in the eyes of the aged. Never let me forget that my total effort is to cheer people, make them happy, and forget at least momentarily all the unpleasantness in their lives. And in my final moment, may I hear you whisper, when you made my people smile, you made me smile. A gift that you gave to all of us and that lives on. Um, you are always with us, man. And uh, God bless you. I hope you are at peace. And uh, you were the greatest. The following uh, little thing you're about to hear, uh, and this is the end of the podcast here, uh, is John Lovitz and then Mike Myers from the I Am Chris Farley movie, talking a little bit about Chris Farley. Enjoy, and uh, rest in peace, Chris.
a lot of comics, they're, they're not really funny away from performing. And then a few are, and he was one of those. He was very funny off camera. But as far as like just physically doing anything for a laugh, Chris would just, he'd do anything. The funniest thing that Chris ever did, and he did it pretty much every week, and I always forgot. So I had an insane routine down. I'd go to the upper deck outside of Lauren's office and watch the musical acts, because I knew that I would never have a chance again in my life to see so many fantastic musical acts. And then I would go and have a shower at exactly the same time. And Chris, every time I was in the shower, would rip the curtain back and be completely naked. He would tuck everything and go, Michael, I love you so much. And he would pin me against the wall of the shower and I would wail on him like this. Just wail on him like, get off me, get off me. Just give me one kiss, Michael. I love you so much. It was the most frightening thing in the world and it killed me every time and I forgot every week because you'd think that's not something you'd forget. And every time I'd go, oh God, of course, I should have my shower at home, not at, at work. 